I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly. Danny Trejo, in addition to being an actor, has um, a line of taco stores and restaurants here in Los Angeles. And so, and shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us. You know, we're all not Tom Cruise, you know, so it's like we gotta support our money and we gotta support, hey, Newsom, yeah, call me. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rain on Your Parade with J.L. Covan. I am J.L. Covan. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, your kind comments. I'm assuming there were kind comments. I, uh, there might have been a lot of hate mail after the first episode, but we're, uh, we're excited to be here. Hello, Mike. Hello. Uh, hello, JL. How you doing? Killing it, Mike. Killing it. You <laughs> well, had I one did, job. I did it better the first time. <laughs> you had one. Yeah, you're <laughs> revealing that this is a second take. How dare you? Um, you're good? I'm good. I'm here. I'm focused and I'm ready to rock. So that wasn't a stroke you were just having? No, just long day. Okay, long day. <laughs> uh, everybody, it's three in the afternoon. It's not exactly <laughs> a long day. Um, unless you're a baker, it's not a long day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, happy to be here in slick back studios. And I, I think that may just be my thing where I pretend like that was auto filled in every I, week. I think everybody loves it. When you do yeah, that. no, I got it. the most feedback I got was um, I hated the 49 and a half minutes of the show, except for that one time where you pretended to be a robot that said Slickback Studios. That was like real potential. Like Rick Rubin, if he were producing this podcast, he'd go get rid of everything else. Yeah. But that Slickback Studios thing, that's the key. We're going to build the song around. Exactly. It's like a sample. Did you see uh, Rick Rubin on 60 Minutes? I did not. No. The, it was very interesting, and my favorite part that I'm ripping off right now is uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, he The story was that he, Tom Petty sent him a demo to review, and he basically said the whole thing was crap. <laughs> Except in between songs, one of the guitarists just went, and he said, <laughs> That's your hit. Build something off it. Isn't that great? <laughs> that is pretty Isn't amazing. that fucking yeah, great? Yeah, yeah. He said, build it off that, and that became Mary Jane's last dance. And it's like, there's a lot of bullshit people in this world. Yeah. But when you have the track record that Rick Rubin does, it's hard to dismiss anything, especially when you hear that story. Yeah. You're like, okay, he clearly does have a Midas touch. Yeah. And then the next day, of course, um, a lot of social media posts about, I love Rick Rubin. He's great, but another story of a white man doing the least and becoming wildly successful. And I was like, oh, good thing you threw in that I love Rick Rubin, but. Right. Because <laughs> this tweet otherwise would imply that I don't love him. Right. In fact, that he represents all that's wrong <laughs> yes. with the patriarchy, white supremacy, <laughs> art, and the world. Right. But, but okay. Oh, but you love. Okay. Whew. I'm sure Rick Rubin, if he gets out of his like cave to read your tweet, which of course he won't, he'd be like, 
Uh, this is mostly shitting on me. I think. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to crickets and come up with the next Drake hit. <laughs> um, but happy to be here. Uh, and, and a lot of the feedback related to people liking me not being alone. I think that that's probably a good move for you. Like we've all be- been worried about you, Jail. <laughs> well, yeah, that being with another human being on the podcast brings out my best. I have to suppress. Yeah. You know, which is which psychologists and therapists always say is the best thing to do with your problems is yeah. stuff them down, be a happy clown and, <laughs> you know, just find a dark corner of a bar later yeah. and deal with your issues. So thank you for all the positive feedback, everybody. By the way, some gigs coming up that I can tell you about. Uh, there will be more filling my calendar, of course, but I know I'll be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, September 15th and 16th. Um, Seattle and Portland in early October and LA October 20th at flappers. Um, so the gigs are filling in slowly, but, uh, there will be more, but I figure I'll just let you know now so you can definitively find other plans for those particular evenings. Oh, JL, I was going to go, but three hours ago, uh, I got tickets to a new movie. Um, I okay. forgot it's my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> whoops oh jl it's a thursday i can't get off work okay you didn't have to let me know that <laughs> right you could have kept that to yourself but now i hate you yeah so don't come to the next show either <laughs> yeah you won't be invited um and my special is out my first special tall boy it's on my youtube it's totally free uh so go watch that and i do know uh we're closer and closer to half blackface being released we just have no idea where yet but that is uh tall boy is my <sighs> tall boy is my casino if we're going to liken my career to mob movies mm-hmm. tall boy is my casino a very respectable a lot of people like it a lot of great things about it but my godfather is half blackface Wow. I'm skipping Goodfellas, going right to The Godfather. Um, and we've established this already. Godfather 2 is not the best movie ever. It's The Godfather 1. We'll argue about that until the end of time. Well, you know what? We won't because it's just a fact. And <laughs> you spit on the grave of not only Marlon Brando, but the Native American people <laughs> and civil rights causes he fought for. That's what you do when you disregard The Godfather 1. I didn't know I was doing that. When you rank. treat it like... The Scotty Pippen <laughs> to Godfather 2's Michael Jordan, which is wrong. Still a Hall of Famer. And whatever you say, Godfather 3 is the Larsa Pippen of the Godfather movies. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I don't care how empowered she is. I think fucking the son of your ex-husband's co-worker is gross. Yeah. Okay, I don't care. No argument here. Well, you know what? I thought you might argue because you're <laughs> real on this empowerment biz. We had an <laughs> interesting conversation before the episode about pornography. And needless to say, you won't be invited to my uh, evangelical Christian meeting after the show. Oh, I had plans that weekend anyway. Well, okay. Well, we're going to get to the topic very <laughs> shortly, but I have to assure the audience who, who may find me too wordy. Or I'm not attractive enough for the reels. Sure. That we're going to get to it eventually. We're going to get high-powered finance bros wearing tight suits. You know, they're going to tell you how to live your life. They're going to tell you how to disrespect women and make money. That'll make you an alpha bro. We're going to have those guys on eventually. We're going to have porn stars on, obviously. Malcolm Gladwell said it the best. 
to be a successful podcast, you've got to be the 10,000th podcast to do something. Mm -hmm. If you're not, you're wasting your time. So we're going to have porn stars talking about their favorite position, whether they date fans, you know, if all their body parts are natural, who's good in bed, who's bad, who do you like working with? We're going to have all that stuff. But for now, it's going to be more of a humor and talky. Less of a cleavy, more of a talky. <laughs> Less so, of a cleavy? Cleavage. Oh, I see. Okay. God, I thought I was speaking in like cool, hip, young people shorthand. No. That only works for Chris Stefano. Yes. Okay. Right. I was trying to be him. <laughs> He's very successful. Yeah. We used to do bar shows and open mics 10 years ago. And, you know, I called him the 99th degree because I thought he looked like the missing member of 98 degrees. Mm -hmm. And he just skyrocketed. Yeah. He absolutely skyrocketed. Good for him. Good for all the people who skyrocket. Um, I'm, you know, I'm more like a Greyhound bus of comedy, just chugging along, miserable, sad, impoverished, but, but getting people where they need to go. <laughs> Breaking down along the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, but on, the, on the way to the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally, I'm literally and figuratively the Greyhound bus of comedy. But uh, guys, I want to talk about SAG and Wigga. Is that how they refer to themselves? The Writers Guild of America? Wigga? Wigga. <laughs> Matt Reif is just their, their, their mascot. <laughs> it's Matt Reif, Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> do, do you think Jamie Kennedy sits around going, so let me get this straight. I was ahead of my time. He, yeah, he, he, oddly he was, it was Malibu. like him and Tom Green were both ahead of their time. Isn't that insane to think it's, about? It's, this is a, this could be a theme for an entire podcast. People who were ahead of their time, who now can't stop stabbing themselves in the face, seeing what we've become. <laughs> like think about three point shooters from like the eighties and nineties yeah. where it's like, Oh, all you can do is shoot three pointers. Well, you're going to sit on the bench, right. get the league minimum. But we'll we'll bring you out for the all-star weekend to lose to Larry Bird right. or some other reputable player who can also shoot threes. Right. Now these guys would be getting paid like mid-level exceptions, just get averaging 15 points a game. You know, the Craig Hodges and Jason Caponos of the world must be like, Jason are you kidding Capone. me? Oh my God. Right? It's a blast from the past. Right. These are guys who you'd look at the stats, it's like, oh, he's leading the league with um in 82 games, he was 39 of 79 from three-point range. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. he's not even taking one a game. <laughs> yeah. He qualifies. Yeah. Now, if all you can do is shoot threes, they're like, will 200 million over six years suffice? <laughs> yeah. We know you can't. Come, play for the Miami Heat. <laughs> Duncan Robinson, Williams College basketball product. We share that in common. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. So you wonder about people seeing like, oh, my God, if only I had like come up with this idea later. Like I watched Jamie Kennedy, like, don't be hating, yo. Yeah. Worst, justifiably treated like a horrible movie. But if you... <laughs> Well, I can justifiably, yes, because it was a horrible movie. Right. But <laughs> if he had just made that a TikTok character yeah. 10 years later, he'd be headlining arenas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom Green. Tom Green, to be fair, I think was recognized for his quality back in the day. Mm -hmm. It was just not he was he was ahead of his time, but but at least people recognized what he was doing was a funny thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, it would be, it would be much better to be that today. Yes. Yeah. So, but SAG and Wigga, um, they're striking, they're striking for, for more rights, more money and, uh, disclaimer. Okay. And I talked about this with Mike before I'm a Democrat turning it off woke. 
and pro labor, pro all that. Absolutely. One of my big complaints about stand-up comedy for almost my entire career has been the fact that there's really horrible treatment of the talent. Um, there's no sort of pipeline to develop as a comedian. Basically, all you're ever hoping for is, and it's even worse now, is that some comedian takes you under their wing and makes you their sidekick or their their bottom bitch if they're a pimp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or that you blow up on social media. Now, none of those things necessarily foster a developed act. You're like right. yes like in other words you can become a good comedian if you have enough talent and drive but you could also there's very little incentive to do that and if you are just a journeyman comedian like myself where you like I started doing open mics and then I got some guest spots and then I emceed and featured and then I featured for a long time then I got a few breaks did a couple private gigs this long path it's it's the opportunities just aren't there because everything's being crowded out um Comedy is the worst. There's no art, I think, worse than comedy in terms of nurturing and developing career, sustainable lifestyles while working as a comedian. Um, But you just grin and bear it, basically. Or in my case, complain relentlessly (laughs) and get banned from different things. Right. And label yourself the greyhound bus of the the industry. (laughs) Exactly. Any artists out there, feel free to put my face, not at Photoshop. I want real art here. Yes. My face on a greyhound bus. For free. We want it for free. Like a Thomas the Tank Engine kind of vibe. Yes. For free, absolutely. But we will maybe give you attribution, possibly. Maybe. If you pay us, we will give you attribution. Yes. Okay, fair enough. But then we own the art. And you as well. And you, yes. And you and any AI creations we make of you or your art. Right. We are the studios in this scenario. And we can have sex with all female relatives in your family. Yeah. That's just standard boilerplate today in Hollywood. So, like, if you think we're being... That's just boilerplate. Yeah. Welcome to the business. So, anywho, the... But the SAG, what they're fighting for is I think there's pay issues, but obviously the big threat they see is artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. AI for those in the business. You know, I spelled it out, but you know, (laughs) you try, I want to be a common working man comedian here. I don't want to get bogged down in all the lingo like and show off, but AI to the, to those in the know. Yes. And I've been perplexed by this. And I know you too have been perplexed by this, Mike, because- (laughs) Our society over the last 40 years, it really started with Reagan, has treated organized labor the way we should have treated like the Klan. Yeah. <laughs> like they're a destructive force, hating on our freedoms, destroying our way of life, uh, making everything expensive and awful for average working people. And it's uh, lack of great. We, Reagan really began this relentless assault on organized labor and it broke up. It was politically, it was smart because it broke up sort of the, the strong, the, the, the hold Democrats had on labor. You created divisions, both with labor practices, racially, you created divisions along racial lines because labor is obviously not a racial issue. Um, and it's interesting that whenever people say things like Donald Trump, uh, you know, he got that working class, that white working class vote. Yes. People seem to forget there are a lot of working class people in this country who are not white, but, but it's become almost a shorthand for, you know, working class is almost a shorthand for white guys. And 
it's interesting to me that, and it's a good thing. I, once again, disclaimer, what the actors and writers are doing, I think is a good thing. That's so we get that out of the way, but it's also perplexing to me because maybe it's the power of celebrity. Maybe it's their reach, their social media reach, but it speaks to how uninformed or uninterested we are as citizens that this is like the hot button issue as far as labor goes, but Amazon, Starbucks, even though those articles will get like some coverage for sure when, when a store tries to organize, shouldn't the largest employers in this country, shouldn't th- that labor force be, be, be organized? It would make sense. Um, you know, Amazon workers, maybe, maybe them peeing in bottles because they have to get their deliveries is more important yeah. than I'm only getting yes. paid for 10 episodes yes. of writing a show. In 1990, I would have been paid for 22 plus residuals. Plus I would have had multiple women on a casting couch wanting to service me. Yes. It's a bizarre thing because technology has come for so many industries and it's one of the things that helped Donald Trump. Honestly, it, 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 it helped pave the way. It helped grease the, what is it? Grease, grease the, the wheels. Grease, grease the, the wheels. wheels. Yeah. Lube the anus. Whatever the analogy we <laughs> they use all work. now. It helped lube America's anus for him to fuck it. Because he was, he understood or had been told or instructed that, you know, a lot of these jobs that went away or technology that, that created less of a need for working men and women in factories, in blue collar professions, they just went away and it was treated as this sort of, well, what are you going to do? That's business. If you can be more efficient, you're more efficient. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's true. But we didn't take care of those people. And, and largely a robust, organized labor force would have been the bulwark against that. That's the point. Of, of organized labor and people can complain. It runs up costs. It, it does all sorts of bad things. And, and labor leaders often get fat and lazy, literally and figuratively. But the, the alternative is a decimated workforce and loss of labor protections and rights across the board, even for non-labor workers. Yeah. So it's odd to me as an artist, if I can call myself that, it's odd to me to see this righteous like, oh my God, AI's coming for our acting jobs and our writing jobs. And I'm like, some of the least important jobs in the world. I love it. And I, I don't begrudge any, because this is, this is less a condemnation of actors and writers, although there is a level of obviously high self-importance to this. Um, but it's also just a condemnation of our society. You, you, these are some of the least important jobs. And then I know somebody can say, well, what about the lighting technician and the, but yeah, of course. Who don't have a union, by the way. Right. Your jobs help their jobs for sure. That's without question, but it's like more important job and no union. Right. But like, you know, teachers, supermarket, like I thought we were talking before about supermarket workers where they don't have a union. Yes. And they were out there during the pandemic. They didn't have Tom Cruise yelling at customers to wear their masks, though I respect Tom Cruise for doing that on right. the set of Dead Reckoning. <laughs> but but it's it's it speaks it's so weird that our society is right now so focused on actors, which is like they should be last in line 
for this. Not that they shouldn't get it. Not that them fighting for their rights and, and, you know, isn't important. They should. Everybody should have that right. That's what's the problem is that they seem to be one of the only unions with the power to really create some kind of conflict and change. Whereas the guy who works at Amazon or the supermarket or any sort of, you know, Amazon factory, he may, he or she Mm -hmm. or they may not have the means to just go, oh, well, I'll just get another job that treats me better. That's really what it comes down to. I think it's it's so weird because with SAG and the WGA, there's a really big piece of the pie that they're not getting, right? which obviously hurts them. And, and like in any economic, it's kind of like baseball or basketball. It's so interesting to watch those um, those two sides interact because it's like, it's easy to look at the baseball players union and say like, well, they're just trying, they're getting paid to play a game. Right. Like they should be happy with anything or whatever, but there's just so much money at stake that they should be getting the piece of that giant pie. Right. You know, but the other weird thing is that if actors like you said, or writers in the WGA, you know, they're, they're kind of working dream jobs. And right. if the, if this doesn't work out for them, then they would just have to go get the regular job. <laughs> Whereas like <laughs> the Amazon guy, if, if that, if he gets shut out of, or she or whoever gets shut out of they, driving a delivery truck. They, yes, whoever, then they're fucked. There's like, there is no, they meaning all three or just the, the non-binary who, whoever happens to be. I just want to know what they were talking about. <laughs> this is an inclusive podcast. Of mate. course. Yeah. Sorry if I'm shaking things up at slick, ba- slick back studios, <laughs> but you know what? It's time for change. Yeah. But it's tough. I just think it's it's like that's the funny thing about it to me. And I think it's so funny that they're the first union in on AI where they're publicly saying, like, we have to get this AI thing under control because they're 100 percent right. Um, But it's just like it's going to be hard to get, I think, people in middle America to be like, oh, these actors who like AI is coming from my job and I fucking That's work why at the Ford plant. You got to get Kirk Cameron, Kevin Sorbo, and yes. Scott Bayo on board. <laughs> Mel Gibson. You know, they're going to take, they're trying to make our Christian movies yes. with fake Christians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will not have Muslims in these movies. <laughs> Interesting sidebar. Um, the Trump judges appointed to the bench have been increasingly religious, except towards one religion, Islam, in which, <laughs> no, no, this is real, where they've been less than average. Like the, yeah. there was a study done where like religious plaintiffs or what defendants are winning at a higher rate yeah. with Trump federal judges, yeah. and Supreme, except for Muslim <laughs> plaintiffs and defendants who are losing more than they used to. It's hilarious. Like, it's almost like they're not pro-religion. It's pro, it's, they're pro-Christian. Yes, of course. I know, but Wait, it's it, like. I'm going to put the camera on me. Hold on. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I like Dave Chappelle, my mentor on all things. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to give Trump a chance. Yes. Right. Love how he skates on that one. <laughs> I just love the fact that he did a monologue in front of America I'm going to give him a chance. <laughs> and people were like, okay, well, Dave's a genius. And then like two years later, what? No, I'm on trans people now. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that. That's not bringing, that's the past. That's the past. I'm trying to talk about uh, a woman in, in, in Wyoming getting a sex change. And uh, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> JK Rowling, everybody, JK Rowling. Um, so yeah, this is a bizarre sort of thing because some of the things they're complaining about, 
AI is the biggest because that's the most forward thinking. Like mm-hmm. they know if they don't address it now, the next 10 years, it'll be too late. They're so, yeah. So they're right. But also things like you want smaller writers rooms and we don't get the residuals anymore. We're only doing 10 episodes, not 22. And we're not making the same money. This is the part where I really go. And yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't mean this to be flippant to any one person or any person who landed one writing job and is like, if this were 1990, I'd have it made. Hey, as a feature act for many years in comedy, if this were 1988, I'd have it made. Right. I wouldn't have a day job because I'd get paid the exact same amount that they pay features in 2023. Yeah. But in 2025, 20, 1988 costs, it's, it's like, it's insane. Like if you want to talk about an art treating its work rank and file like garbage, nobody can hold a candle to stand up comedy. But the idea of like, I want the same treatment, but the shows aren't as long. Yeah. So you probably do. I would think you maybe do get more money per episode or something. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, as somebody who's never worked in a writer's But you don't room, get the residuals. But. You don't get the the everything else that came with a 22-episode season on ABC, then going to like local syndication. Yeah. But, but at what point do you go, what do you want them to do about that? The market has changed. Yeah. I mean, I think that there – I do think the studio system is at fault for fucking it up. I think that streaming – even though it was a consumer, well, they habit. might say actually we didn't fuck it up. Why? Why would they say as that? As far as we're concerned, well, no, but I don't think it's a good model for them either. You know, I, like like I don't think that I think Netflix is not in like financial trouble, but Netflix was in this place where they were in a period of growth, so they kept giving big checks to Chappelle and Sandler and people like that. And I kind of think those days are over for them. And I, if you're mentioning think- comedy goats, Hannah Gadsby and Hannah Gadsby, right? <laughs> Got got to get the three special deal. But you know what I mean? I, I think that it's like I think that Netflix kind of changed the the business for the worse. Yes. And I think that there's there's just kind of no going back. Like we're not really going to go back to cable. I, I can't imagine that that happens. So it's like what really is the answer? They're going to have to share more money from the top. I mean, it's never a good look that you have executives that are making, you know, uh hundred million hundred million dollar bonuses but you can also argue that about the the actors guild it's like you know it's the same thing as having somebody like leo making 20 million dollars a picture like the people at the top are always going to make an exorbitant amount of money the people that are closer to the middle and the bottom bottom are going to be struggling like that it sucks that it's like that but you have to fix the business model which i just i don't know how they're gonna do that the ai thing to me is attainable they can just put the law yeah. in it's, it's like banning fireworks right I feel like these exist but we're not allowed to use sorry them, katie you know? perry yeah <laughs> the other thing i will say about like but to me it's like yeah the business model is not sustainable um it's it's like it's one of those things where i'm always jealous of the people who it's almost like crypto yeah where right it's like it if is. you got in when they were handing out $20 million deals or $300 million deals, Ryan Murphy, hundred yes. million dollars, Shonda Rhimes. You, that money can't be taken away from you. Yes. You right. have that money. I know when the bubble will burst, when my special, my masterpiece, <laughs> half blackface comes out and it's like HBO is actually interested in streaming it. And then the next day it'll be like when the stock market crashed yeah. in 1929, yeah. it'll be, it'll be like cyber black Tuesday <laughs> 
And I'll be like, oh, there's no, my special, HBO no longer exists. It's going to be on the front page of Variety. JL Kelvan kills streaming. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, but I do think there is an element to this where I go, but you're writing for a show. Like what? And, and this is a difficult thing because you want to be pro labor and not sound like some guy who's just trying to like score points by being like, Hollywood is elite and doesn't care. Yeah, I get it. It's your job. You're entitled to all these arguments and deals, but there's something wrong with our country that we have allowed men and women who need better protections to live. Yeah. That we don't have a robust sort of pro-labor environment. And one of the things they will say on this is you'll hear it's like we're leading the way. We're highlighting this. And I'd love to think that's true. And yeah. I'm not claiming anybody involved doesn't care about labor. But no, like that's a pipe dream. When this is over, we will go back to being a country that continues to hammer organized labor, that continues to destroy the rights of working people. And that's it. Like it's, 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 it's a pipe dream if you think this is actually going to illuminate something yeah. for people. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's yeah. Not, it's not like I think it'd that's be the great if thing. it was. Right. Because it'd be easier to get behind if you were like, this is actually going, this is spearheading. Like if I saw things about like a nationwide walkout of Amazon. Right. I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Right. Like, and, and that's the thing you just never see. Like who, who is the head of the uh, Amazon workers union effort? Do you know? Well, there's the one union in Staten Island. Like right. they, they organized that. And I think that leader is like on the outs with the union. Okay. And who's the leader of the WGA? Adam Conover. Adam Conover. Yeah. <laughs> and who's, who's the leader? Who's the leader of the writers guild of the, of the actors guild? Fran Drescher. Right. So, you know, those two. Yeah. But we don't know, like the, the unions where I feel like people really not again, not to say that the, the writers and the actors don't need, you know, again, pro, pro, pro labor, but you know, the people that are going to wh- whose lives are like literally in jeopardy if they don't get their their uh, uh, working situation handled. We don't really know anything about right. those causes and they never get put on TV. And I'm not they, making they don't that feel argument. As important. I'm not making that argument of a teacher makes 80 grand. But no, I know. So and so like LeBron James makes 30 million. Yes, he's worth that on the market. Right. Could te- but but that but to say that the people who often say that aren't actually fighting to get teachers more money right, totally. or supporting a teacher's union who are not, who are not perfect. Right. Like let's not, you know, but it's like the unions are so often used as like rhetoric. I mean, working people are used as like rhetorical weapons just to shit yeah. on. It's the blue lives matter of like economic arguments. Yeah. It's like, you never said blue lives matter ever yeah. until black lives matter became a necessary thing. Then all of a sudden, Blue lives matter. You didn't give a shit or you might've given a shit, but you didn't, it wasn't a movement. It wasn't a thing. You simply used it to hit, to have like a weapon to hit. It's a counterattack. Yeah. It wasn't an actual stance of support or, and that's what people will often do with working people. But I think in this case, there needs to be more of a reckoning with, with how we have treated unions and working people in general. Yeah. And I think to some extent unions need to have a little bit of a come to Jesus moment, especially like construction unions and stuff. The second Avenue subway, it's like, it was going to cost 2 billion and be done in three years. Instead, it took nine decades and a trillion dollars. I'm exaggerating. (laughs) There's something. It was like an urban legend for for my entire life. (laughs) Right. There's something for, for three stops. Yes. 
the shit, I thought the shit would be going to like the Bronx <laughs> yeah, for yeah. all the time. Now that's, that's an area where it's like, Hey, unions, Pick this is coming from, and maybe yeah. it has to come from within the party, but then you get, accu- you know, the democratic party, then you get accused by s- certain wings of being like anti-labor corporate Democrats. Right. Well, now you're not being realistic. There needs to be an idea that or- organized labor and working people are a real priority. But it's not a blank check. Yeah. We want to yeah. make your lives better, but you need like you, we also maybe maybe we need like 20 percent of the Amazon Bezos efficiency put into things. Yeah. But not the pee in a water bottle or you get fired if you don't deliver all the packages level right. of corporate mercenary culture. Yes. And I support the actors and the writers. Um, I have no idea. I don't think I'm in SAG, but I did get a residual from them for my appearance on billions i think we've both done sag work but we're not okay in SAG. once again so it's um this is about me already <laughs> oh i guess we all just do sag stuff now it's no big deal we all meaning you and i yes <laughs> no, not no, no. we all the, the whole world i was sitting in an elite perch in this <laughs> studio and now i'm i'm just i'm one of you that's what happens when you work with the gucci of podcast producers <laughs> Uh, gucci mike instead of gucci main that's right yeah okay i'll, I'll adopt that nickname well the thing I want to talk about, I think I've made my my compelling labor case. Yeah. Because it's it's weird and I have no solution, but I think as a country, we need to support if your local Starbucks wants to unionize, yeah. it should be just as important, if not more so, than the the Hollywood people doing it. And I keep I feel like I have to keep repeating this. Yes. I am in support of what they're doing. Um, but the idea that technology can come for every working person in this country, Starbucks baristas, by the way, must fucking hate the mobile order system. Oh, it hey, that can looks we, like a nightmare. Doesn't can it? we quadruple your work with less <laughs> smiles, tips and human interaction yeah. for the same pay? Ugh. I mean, it's, it's, it's so like, bad. you're like, a, now you've gone from barista to barista slash factory worker. Yes. Yep. It's intense yep. sometimes. Yep. And I look at that and I go. Their job got shittier. Yeah. Starbucks profits definitely went up. And yeah. Starbucks as an employer, pretty good. Yeah. Like relatively speaking, still bizarre that they're still very anti-union. Mm-hmm. I, that makes me suspicious. But they are – he is a good they, – they have had a pretty good corporate culture as things go. But so what if your show only has 10 episodes? Guess what? And I'm going to do my Sebastian Maniscalco voice. So you only get paid for 10 episodes. <laughs> I don't understand the problem. <laughs> you do 10 episodes of a show and you want 22 episodes of pay? No. Well, aren't you embarrassed? You're doing... If I do one show on stage, I don't get paid for 30 shows. Where Where is the math? <laughs> well, I don't understand the math. This left I haven't seen math. this before, but it's, it's a good um, Scalco. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, but I think it applies. Yeah, It applies here yeah. where it's like... I get it. And that's where you negotiate. I think that's the key is that they're willing to make some concessions on pay and things like that. So that kind of bridges that gap. Yeah. But the, and the AI thing is very important, but this idea of like, we used to get paid all this extra money. Well, now you don't. Right. And I, 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 it's hard not to feel flippant about that. It's like, you know what? I've done a lot of feature work in 1988. You'd get a hotel and 700 bucks. And some cocaine, probably. You know what you get 25 years later? No hotel, 
600 bucks. That's not adjusted for dollars. Like that's, I mean. Well, dude, and also just comedy in New York City in general. You like, you used to hear stories about people that, that were kind of like in their prime. I would guess right around the time you probably started. Yep. That were making 1984. A living. No, <laughs> 2004. Like early, yeah, like early 2000s. Like those guys, they would talk about kind of like working the cellar, getting enough money to live in New York City as a comedian and really not have another job. They were full time comedians and they'd like write in the daytime and do all this stuff. And that life doesn't exist anymore either. You yeah. Know? So things do change. And I do think, I guess that is really the point of the strike is that they're trying to figure out a middle ground to where like the studios that have fucked up the business model, a way that it, it's like a two way street where it works for both people. But in the onset, it is, it's hard to not look at that and feel everything that you're saying where you're just kind of like, guys, like you, these aren't real jobs. <laughs> like they, they right. don't, they're not like real jobs compared to, right. You were doing work. You work hard. Yes. You have a dream job. But you have a dream job right. and that doesn't entirely do anything less. And that's it's I, I hate always repeating this because you're yeah. always afraid of that clip or out of context thing where it's yeah. like people go, he says who gives a shit. Right. And I'm like, no, no, I get it. And I give a shit. But it's like I think the real problem here is America needs to do better, <laughs> which it won't. Yes. But it needs to. And I think when you complain about certain things, um. And I don't want to be that guy who's like, well, comedy sucks too, so fuck you. No, I just because I'm miserable doesn't mean everybody else should be. I'd like it to be that way, but, yeah. but so be it. Um, but you can't – it's not a winning argument as far as I'm concerned to be like, we used to make more money when we made more shows. Now we make less shows. We make less money. That's not fair. You make 10 episodes <laughs> of a show. <laughs> And you want 22 episodes of money? Aren't you embarrassed? Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the serious, mildly serious take. But we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about AI and stand-up comedy. Ooh. So welcome back to Rain on Your Parade. And uh, we're going to get into what I know best, stand-up comedy. And, well, I know a lot of things best. Let's be honest. I'm sort of a jack of all trades, which, by the way, social media and YouTube algorithms hate that. <laughs> they hate when you try to do different things. Trying to put you in a box, man. Well, they really do. It's like I assume with my 66,000 YouTube subscribers, oh, if I'm making a comedy video, they'll love it. It's like, no, is it Trump? Is it a Trump impersonation? No, we're not even going to show it to your people. Yeah. Oh, well, I did this really funny book review. Like I'm, I'm uh, nobody does book reviews, but you know what? If I've got these subscribers who like my humor, maybe they, maybe, uh, hey, if 5,000 of them get into it, that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, 500 views for the most, the, the, the one with the most. I have 66,000 subscribers. 500 views is the most I have at this recording for a book review. It's pretty awful. Yeah. My special, Tall Boy. Oh, well, people have been watching and subscribing to me for years. And this is my first special and it's free. They're going to eat this up. They're not eating it up. We'll leave it at that. They are not. They are going, I'm full. Surprise, surprise. I'm full. I'll pass on. I love your comedy, except 98% of your comedy. And the problem is, and this, I like to make it personal. I start personally and I go global. Yeah. That's my, 
don't share these tips and traits, tips and secrets with your other podcasters. Mm -hmm. This is proprietary technique right here. Trade secrets. Yeah, it really is. But, um, the, a lot of my subscribers and followers, if we're going on Twitter, don't even see my stuff. So they have self-identified as fans by following and subscribing. And then YouTube doesn't even show them my stuff to choose. Oh, I'll pass on this. They don't even see it. And it's made me realize that while actors and writers are fighting AI, they see the danger. They have big egos. Comedy is different. Comedy is full of scumbags. Is that the right word? <laughs> who aren't artists. They're people who don't want jobs. You're laughing, but you know I speak truth. They, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the way to put it. Now, I chose comedy because I needed a hobby. I was in law school. I was headed towards a great career. You know, not really, but I thought I was. But I, I was going to a good law school, but I was depressed. Comedy was a hobby. And it turned out I had a, a decent level of skill and facility at it. And I got better and better. And then some opportunities came my way. And I stuck with it because I, I really do love coming up with a good idea, crafting an original joke, and then making strangers laugh at it for validation of that creation. There's a lot of comics like me, plenty of comics. That's, that's the main reason to do it. But this new shit that we're in the mumble rap phase of stand-up comedy, I think, where it's all about, you know, TikTok is the sound cloud of stand-up comedy now. Where yeah, it's like, it is. I'm not, I, you, you could see it with music. Um, I would make a four-verse lyrically genius story like Biggie or Ice Cube or Tupac or Wu-Tang Clan or Tribe Called Quest. But I'd rather make a 90-second one-verse thing that sounds like everybody else, put it on SoundCloud, and get the, the streams, and then that validates me as an artist. I've done almost nothing worthy of being called artistry, but now I have 500 million streams or whatever, and now I'm, I'm a big hit. Yeah. Even though this was like I'm, – I'm literally allowing the device mechanism to determine what I make. And when I see TikTok and what comics are doing now, there's plenty of established comics who are playing the game, but are real comics. But a lot of new new jacks, if I can call them that, are really they're jumping the system. They're gaming the system by doing crowd work and, and different things and making that the like driving force of of their stand up comedy where it's like, but didn't you get into this? To make like to do something other than win over TikTok? And the answer is no. No, the answer is no. The answer is yeah. no. And and I think that is a far like like in other words, actors and actresses and writers are like, don't you come for our jobs, AI. Whereas comics now, especially new comics, are basically like, uh, AI, place your penis in my mouth. I'll make you come. You don't have to no, you don't have to replace me. I'll be your slave. Just put a gag ball in my mouth, choke me. And I'll, uh, you know, step on my nuts, AI. Yeah. Like AI and comedians are in this like dominatrix like relationship where it's just like, yes, yeah, spit on me and call me useless. <laughs> and, and who do you think the sub is? <laughs> it's comedians. <laughs> comedians are the ones getting dominated. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and it's but it's it's this bizarre thing where it's like, oh, we AI, AI's already won. Yeah. Stand up comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, because we are doing, oh, you know what? Um, you need to do reels. And you, from the format to the technique to the content, 
we are delivering what TikTok and Reels wants. Yeah. We're not changing the game. We're just saying, yeah, fine. Yeah, we're conforming. You know, and if you look at TikTok, the 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 model for TikTok is copy. Yeah. Not original. Copy. That should be the exact opposite. That should be disgusting to an artist. Like, ew, wait, copying is now the thing? Whether it be lip syncing or doing a trend. I love the the idea of a TikTok challenge. To be a TikTok challenge, you know what you need to be? Not challenging. Because the goal is replication, (laughs) not challenging. It's literally like dancing. Let's take dancing. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Did you see Michael Jackson dance? You know why that's amazing? Because I can't do that. Right. Oh, my God. Michael Jackson. Amazing. That's why he's so great. Yeah. Now it's like. I'm pantomiming a, a basically what amounts to a childhood yeah. Barney special. That's a TikTok challenge. You pick a popular yeah. song and then you do a couple things that everybody can repeat and you call that a challenge. Excuse me. Oh, that's challenge calling from the dictionary saying, fuck off. <laughs> that's the opposite of a challenge. <laughs> but that's what it is now. It's about replicating because the goal is not artistry or originality. It's getting big. Yeah. And comedy is like, you know, it's the Kardashian model. It all comes, I mean, I talk about this on Tall Boy, my special, check it out. But the Kardashian model sort of created this world. Like they are, in my mind, crypto celebrities. They had nothing. But through shamelessness and drive, they created a brand. And it's very much like if, if one day you decide that talent is once again necessary to being famous in the entertainment world, they vanish. Yeah. They vanish. They are without talent. But they they created their like sort of one of the early models of like, no, no, if you just are ambitious enough to be famous and want to do something and become rich, you can just kind of create out of whole cloth a celebrity now. And that's what people see me doing on TikTok where it's like the goal is I, I can't fathom like, oh, if you copy this dance that somebody else did. Well, you won't get a million followers like them, but you might get 40,000. Yeah. And, and that's the goal. Yeah. I've done nothing original. I've created nothing. I've in, you know, some of my friends probably find me embarrassing as they should, but I've got follow, I've got more followers now. And that's, that can, uh, I don't know what that does, but it can be good mm-hmm. and it's validation. And when you see stand up comics doing it, it's like, they had a decision to make collectively. Obviously, there is no collective group because you cannot organize labor whose default mindset is backstabbing scab. <laughs> you know I'm right. Yes. Like labor works because people care about each other. Comedy, the default mindset yes. of a comedian, the, the comedian, the highest level of labor in comedy is I'll give you a ride home from the show. Yes. Yeah. The, you're the fun me- to hang out with yeah. on the way to the show. The me- I'll pay an extra hundred bucks for yeah. doing the show. Yeah. The median level is I'll take that guy's fucking gig. Fuck him. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then the bottom, yes. the, the comedy <laughs> scab, the, the scab version of a comedy laborer is, well, before she passed out, she wanted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's co- stand-up comedy scabs. Are sexual assaulting predators. Yes. Not picket crossers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The picket crossing line is the good guy in comedy. And the great <laughs> yeah. guy is, I hey, had a good set. Here's an extra hundred. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, or I'll ask the club to pay for your hotel. <laughs> yeah. That's like, oh my God, fucking Jimmy Hoffa meets 
a Philip Randolph, you don't know who I'm talking about, but yeah. the, you know, that's it's so when I see people and we can get into Matt Reif at a later time, but you, you top of the pyramid. I, I, I didn't know it was his Coke. His name wasn't on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a horrible industry. And I only bring up Matt Reif because he has proven he's the counter to what I'm saying, which is, but if you do do this, there's a chance you can come while your, your career can wildly outpace your talent writing and material. Yeah. And that's not meant as a knock on him, but you know, it's, he has, he has made this kind of the default model now for comedy. The reason we're filming this podcast at all is because it's no longer good enough to just be good on the mic. You have to win over TikTok and, and Instagram algorithms. And, but as a comedian, I don't ever put out crowd work. I put out one crowd work because it was really funny. Not because I was, you know, when I see the forced Q and a, this bullshit. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, uh, what, 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 Oh, was that talking to Mike? Oh, what are you doing? Crowd work. <laughs> I paid you. I paid you. I can I come to a show. <laughs> Oh, it's one. If Bon Jovi wants me to sing along to Living on a Prayer and my wife wants to sing, she can sing. It's okay. <laughs> but you want me to fill you in with an entire act? Aren't you embarrassed? But that's it. That, that, in yeah. a nutshell, jokes have been made by the kings of comedy, the original kings of comedy. I, I forget. I think it was Cedric the Entertainer or Steve Harvey who basically did a, I paid this much, you sing the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a joke. Obviously people like singing along, but it's like the the mindset is like, I paid, you perform. Right. Now it's like, well, you are secondary audience. You, you were an important part of the stand-up comedy experience, but now my pimp TikTok says he's going to slap me real good if I don't put up crowd work material. Bitch, I said, ask them if they smoke weed. (laughs) Did you ask them? Let me see the video. Daddy, I'm sorry. I wanted to work on jokes, daddy. I wrote this really good (laughs) bit. Bitch, I got a bit. It's called bitch doesn't pay attention to what TikTok algorithm wants. That's where we're at. TikTok is a pimp. And we're all walking around going, I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. And it's, it's incredible to see because I've seen features doing crowd, doing Q and A's who the, in all due respect, as somebody who respects the road comic more than just about fucking anybody on this planet. Yeah. Who the fuck are you to take time out of your middle set of 20 minutes? First of all, if you gave a shit, you'd realize how precious those minutes are to work on your material. But on top of that, they're here to see the other guy or girl yeah, or non-binary. They're not here to do. And, and, but, but then this is the real kicker. I'm talking to a guy who works with a comedy club and he said they got a complaint one night, not like a hardcore complaint, but just a comment. Oh, there wasn't a lot of, I, I wanted more crowd work. That's really funny. Yeah, you're training comedy audiences to think that they're part of the show. We fought you know? so long. The shut up heckler. You're yeah. not, but then it starts with comedian destroys heckler. Right. Then more comics want that. Right. Now it's well, TikTok said, no, we we want inter we um and and you can see a lot of crowd work comedians, you see just how fucking dumb they are as people. 
But it doesn't matter because people are dumb. Right. I've seen crowd work where they don't understand right. what, like somebody mentions a college they've never heard of or a job that they're not familiar with. They're like, is that even a real thing, bro? <laughs> yes, you dumb fuck. Now tell some jokes. I'm not the comedian. Yeah. Is that even a real, you went there? I don't even know. Is that like a fake school? No, Columbia. I went to Columbia. Like the country? You do coke? Stupid people laugh. <laughs> no, it's a univer it's a prestigious university in New York where you're performing. Oh shit. Well, I guess I'm dumb. Ha ha ha. Million views on TikTok. We're killing it. And but comedians, unlike actors and actresses and writers, comedians are like midwifing our own demise. We're yeah. like, I'm willing to just be a fucking pandering tool of of algorithms to get a little ahead. To get a little ahead. And that's why comedy is just rife with scumbags <laughs> that's called a bar and i don't mean that as it but it, you know it is a word it is it is a word it doesn't it's just, just mean, funny how it worked out yeah it did um but yeah comics we're killing our own business and we're okay with it and the ones who have established themselves don't care yeah they're where they need to be the up-and-comers have no respect no desire it seems to be true artists and the algorithms are validating those pursuits because I'm sure there are real artists out there, real comedians struggling, trying to work on the material. And we don't know who the fuck they are because that's no longer being elevated. But instead of fighting it the way the actors are, comedians are like, yes, algorithm daddy. Yeah. Like I'll suck your dick. Just stop hitting me. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. So, uh, we're going to take another quick break and then you'll get your comedy recommendation for the week when we return. So we're back. And obviously this is the comedy recommendation portion of the show. I should say criticism. It can, you know, there may be some examples in later episodes where I'm criticizing, but right now it's all positive. It's all good vibes. But one last thing before I get to that one common thing that comedians will sometimes say about putting up all that crowd work stuff. And don't get me wrong. Some comedians are really good at it. This isn't a blanket statement, but it is a blanket statement about like the newer people who are like living on that. It's like, you're not even good on stage yet but you're jumping the line using the algorithm. But people will say, I don't want to burn my material. Well, for the new comics, I'd say in a few years, you'll probably want to burn all your material because it probably sucks. And I say that from experience, but to older comics, I'd say, why, why not write more material? Like once in a while, I don't get Like I, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm a fairly prolific guy and I'm a nobody. Write more, put out more good stuff. Let's encourage real stand-up comedy. Let's, let's, let's preserve the art and not capitulate to an algorithm that could care less about the future past or present of stand-up comedy. So speaking of present stand-up comedy, my recommendation this week, it's from late 2022. I lost my job a few weeks ago and I got to like really catch up on a lot of content or as I like to say, content. And I watched Shang Wang sweet and juicy on Netflix. Now Shang is a guy I knew Many years ago, was always a really nice guy. It's one of those things I realize in comedy. Whenever I say somebody's like really cool, it's always the guy that everybody likes. That's how I know I'm a dick. Because like the 10 people, I'll be like, oh, he's awesome. I'm like, everybody thinks he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as, as soon as I'm like, ah, oh, those guys like me. It's like, well, they're the guys who like everybody. They're kind and, and, right. and generous and sweet people. Anybody who has differing opinions is going to be like, jail's kind of a dick. Yeah. 
So I'm Shang, I think, is one of those guys who's probably just chill and cool with everybody. But I hadn't seen him in a long time. And Ali Wong produced his special for Netflix. Like I said, I think it came out in like late 2022. But it was so good. And the way I described Ari Shafir's special, you know, as kind of like one man showish, but but pure stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. I liked that about it, that it wasn't some retreat into another art form, but it kind of was almost, he was able to bring stand-up comedy timing and energy, but to almost a thematic show like Goldman's The Great Depression. Shang Wang's what I will say, and this is not meant as shade. It's like watching somebody hit doubles for an hour straight. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean a double is a good thing. Yes. And there's no let up. I don't know if I ever had any... I didn't have a lot of huge laughs, but about 20 minutes in, I was just kind of like, this guy just keeps like cracking up the middle in the gap, like, like to make a baseball analogy for people who don't know what I'm talking about. He's Eric Karros. He's, he's Todd Hunley. I think of him as better than that. I think of the special as better than that. Wow. Okay. All right. I, that wasn't a knock either. I, Todd Hunley. I mean, one of the Mets. fifth all time on the Mets home run. Yeah. Great. You could hit Hit catcher. Second rate franchise. <laughs> he, no, no, but in, in a, like, I'm thinking more Mel Hall, who I okay. remember led the league in doubles one year for the Yankees before he became a child rapist. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so just, a, I don't want to make. conflate that. I want Shang Wang is Mel Hall pre. <laughs> no, I, that was just to make a salacious comment. The, it's, it's one of those things I, I can't underestimate how impressive it is to have like an hour where you're at this even pace. It's never too jokey and it's never too like, here's a really long story with a great punchline. It's just like somebody who just, here comes my pitch, bam, here comes my pitch, bam. And into the gap again from yeah. Mel Hall. It, <laughs> <laughs> and by gap, we mean underage pussy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and I have to say something. Not afraid of making pussy <laughs> jokes. That's for people who enjoy my Ron Reagan Jr. impression, which was a staple of my earlier podcast. And I'd like to bring him back yeah. as a sometimes co-host. Ron Reagan Jr. The most condescending atheist on planet Earth. <laughs> Makes Bill Maher look like a measured, like, yeah. Ron Reagan, he used to have these commercials where he'd end it by going, Ron Reagan Jr., not afraid of burning in hell. <laughs> yes. And I loved it. I, I thought it was hilarious. And I was that. like, does he make, my question for him was always, does he make more people turn to Christianity? Yeah. With how dripping in condescension he is. Yeah. And, but he's toned it down. I did that joke for like a year plus on my podcast. And then all of a sudden there was a new slate of commercials. I kid you not, where he was just going, Ron Reagan Jr. Not afraid of burning in hell. And I was like, you toned it down, Ron, Ron. <laughs> All right. That's what we're doing with this podcast. We're affecting change in the world. Mm. But the point is Shang Wang, sweet and juicy. I highly recommend it. And it's a different, it's, it was, it was one of those where I'm watching, I'm going, oh, this is pretty good. It has like a cumulative effect because by the end of the hour, I was like, God, I just witnessed a guy, man, like, the, and, I, and once again, I say, you can kill. You can have a bit kill. But this was like a sustained beatdown, but not a kill. It's more like, man, I'm just watching like a technician who knows his pace, his tone, his and every joke is working. And every, it's it's a weird thing because I'm trying, you know, in the spirit of this podcast, I, I, I could get up and go, it's great. So to translate for anybody who needs like simple adjectives, 
it's a great special, but it's great in a way that I found unique because it was just like this sustained, it was like watching a boxer win a 15 round fight by outclassing the other guy for 15 rounds. Like just boop, boop, jab, jab, defense, jab, jab. Like, yeah. but it wasn't Mike Tyson six rounds slaughter yeah. that some people be like, oh my God. So I loved it. Shang Wang, sweet and juicy. That's your recommendation for stand-up recommendation for the week. Thank you for listening to Rain on Your Parade. I'm JL Cavan. Thank you, Mike. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday, even if the episodes don't come out on a Tuesday. <laughs>